0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Breakpoint Podcast featuring myself and my main man, Uh, Frankie. Frankie, how are we doing today?
1: Uh, Well, as of the recording today, uh, we have the Indian Wells final going on, which is uh, pretty exciting. And I think we're looking forward to that matchup of Taylor Fritz versus Rafael Nadal. Had a pretty phenomenal semifinal yesterday between Carlos Alcaraz and... Uh, Rafael Nadal that was really compelling and uh, that is sort of a perfect segue into today's episode isn't that right Marcus
0: damn right we're going to be talking about uh, Carlos Alcrez and another young player who is on the rise Yannick Sinner uh, who sounds like he's German or Austrian but he's actually Italian uh Frank, you're going to have to explain that later on when we talk about center, but um, yeah, let's get right into it. So we're going to talk a little bit about Carlos Alcaraz. He is currently ranked, I believe 19th in the world right now. Uh, Just as Frank mentioned, almost beaten the Dahlia today has made the semifinal of Indian Wells, won the ATP 500 tournament in Rio a month ago, and won the next gen finals uh, in 2021. So this guy's been on the rise. I had the absolute pleasure of watching him play first round at the U.S. Open. I saw him play against Cameron Norrie on court 10 and absolutely ripped him to pieces. And honestly, we couldn't believe how good this guy was. And we started looking up how old he was. And he's 18. He's still only 18. He's turning 19 in May. Um, he, he is a phenomenal player. If you haven't had the chance to you know watch him or if this is the first time hearing about him, just YouTube his name. This guy is like essentially frank he's essentially a right-handed version of nadal basically like this is exactly what nadal was um about like 15 20 years ago
1: yeah i honestly think that is the best characterization of carlos alcaraz is just a right-handed younger nadal at this point um and nadal has even effectively said so Uh, In many of his post-match interviews and any sort of interview he does where they ask him about Carlos. uh, Yeah, I, I think Carlos is definitely proving himself to be the next face of tennis. He is the youngest player ever to be in the top 20, a record that he overtook from Rafael Nadal and uh he is just a phenomenal a phenomenal athlete. I mean, he's a fantastic watch too really aesthetically pleasing. I think every even casual tennis fan sort of really gravitates towards him and and um yeah he he's just so good for the game he both of these guys are 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 tremendous for the game uh Carlos, I think what really separates him from me and and reminds me of Nadal is again this like never-say-die attitude that he has. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I think the perfect encapsulation of Carlos Alcaraz's game is the second-round matchup against Stefano Tsitsipas in the U.S. Open where Carlos Alcaraz beat him. And Marcus can also verify that I texted him the day before that match and I said Carlos Alcaraz is going to beat Tsitsipas. And I was saying it over and over and over again. And I, I just... This kid... Can A, do it on both wings, absolutely smashes the ball on uh, forehand and backhand wings. The serve for me is just mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. This guy is not, he's listed as six feet, but John McEnroe and others have said like he's a little bit shorter. He's about 5'11 in height and he is able to hit a serve at 137 miles an hour which for being that tall is ridiculous. So he has just got a tremendous amount of power. He's a, and he's a fantastic athlete, super quick, footwork's off the charts. Everything is there. Um, yeah, I mean, Marcus, what what did I miss there? I mean,
0: you really didn't miss much. I mean, he's just a relentless tennis player. When I watched him play, like every single ball, he goes after it. There's no mental break. There's no physical break in his game. He just constantly puts pressure on you. I, at this point, I would say his biggest weapon is forehand. Again, yesterday he was hitting a couple of hundred mile an hour forehands against Nadal, like routinely, no issue, no no problem going for it. He actually plays a very hyper-aggressive game. And his coach, Juan Carlos Ferrero, who, by the way, is a fantastic coach, transitioned from player to coach, amazing, has actually, the reason why Alcaraz has really broken out this year is because he was playing too aggressive the last couple of years. And Ferrero has basically kind of, came to him and said listen you got to play within kind of these parameters and not go too aggressive and funny enough my dad listened to a podcast with uh, Juan Carlos Ferrero and they were asking him like yeah you know so Alcaraz is already so fast so you don't really need to work on that so what else do you need to work on his game and Ferrero straight up said no we still have to work on his speed he needs to get faster which is scary as hell, because this guy is like lightning, lightning fast. He's one of the fastest players on tour, like no doubt. It's between maybe him and Dumanauer at this point. So his biggest weapon has got to be his speed, his forehand, and he's just great off of all wings. His only weakness, I would say right now, is maybe his net and transition game. But as we saw with Nadal, that's something that can absolutely be worked on and, you know, basically progressed over the years I think at this point he's doing better on hard courts than Nadal did at that stage of 100%, his career 100% agree right? with
1: you I you think know, he's better on hard his movement also is is better on hard courts than Nadal was when they first started
0: yeah so that's you know already a uh, you know a plus in the column there um, Frank let me ask you this I I, th- I personally don't think that it's dangerous for him being this good at this age because he seems like he's got that exact same Nadal type of mentality where he literally doesn't care about anything else in the world but tennis. And he's not exactly, because he doesn't really even speak English that well, he hasn't been made into an international superstar just yet. Um, So basically, he just kind of lives in his own little bubble where he just plays tennis. And I think that at this age, he seems very mature. You don't really see him doing anything crazy on court. So I don't really, for him specifically, I don't really think it's uh, there's any danger in him being good this young. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, I think that comes down to one thing and one thing alone. And again, we we're gonna mention Rafael Nadal a lot in this player profile, but uh, what's the commonality between Rafael Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz, and being this good at this young? It's the coaching.
0: Oh, I was gonna say steroids.
1: Uh, no, definitely not steroids. Joking, these, these guys joking are awesome.
0: people, joking, joking.
1: Um, no, it's it's the coaching. I think Nadal had Uncle Tony in his court, keeping him focused. And Nadal was super mature, super focused at a very young age. And and this was never a problem for him. And with Alcaraz, it's the same thing. Juan Carlos Ferrero is just a phenomenal coach who is keeping this kid locked in. Uh, always setting realistic goals for him, never letting him get ahead of himself, always keeping him like on the right track and the right goals and, and always wanting to improve and not letting any of this get to his head. So uh, this is, you know, this is sort of a perfect storm coming out of Spain again, <laughs> which is really pretty incredible that uh, Spain has been able to produce two of these guys, um, you know, so it, it's 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 pretty amazing. Yeah, not uh, to mention you know, all
0: those other good players in the top 100.
1: Yeah, <laughs> literally. Top 22. They, like, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. So the the one thing that I would say I, I kind of disagree with you, but not really. I mean, I, th- I think his net game is definitely the place where he needs to improve the most. That I 100% agree with. But I think the other things that I would improve for him would be I think that his return is not... It, it, when I say it's not quite there yet, I mean like it's still really good, but it's not as strong as his offensive gameplay, for example. Um, I also think that the main thing, if I was his coach, what I would be improving with him is I think he needs to learn to dial it down at some points just because of that load management. If you will, he's able to do this now because he's 18 and like he's got endless amounts of energy and whatever, but, he's going to learn pretty quickly that in longer five set matches against a guy like Daniil Medvedev, for example, you need to be able to sort of keep energy in the bank to use it in those critical points. Right. And that was something that we saw Rafael Nadal do so, so well against Medvedev in that Australian open final is he just kept having like that little bit of reserve in the tank, knowing when to just say, you know what, like this game is not worth it. Like that ball's not worth it for me to get right now. and and being able to turn it on and off. But that's something that's going to come with age. It's not really going to happen anytime soon. But I mean, this kid, by all intents and purposes, I think he's I think he's already a Grand Slam contender, quite honestly. Um, and I think he's going to win a Masters 1000 this year. I think it's just a matter of, of which one. I, he could very well win Miami, quite, quite honestly. I think he would have won Indian Wells if Rafael Nadal was not playing. I think Nadal is the only player that would have, that is capable of beating him in this tournament right now.
0: Yeah, and and, and I think that the, the energy thing is, again, that's something, because that when Nadal was that young, he also just went all out every single match. And he could because he was 18 years old. And, you know, he was actually doing it at a time where Masters Finals were also three out of five, and they had all this Davis Cup and stuff. So he was doing it on a much higher capacity. I think that that's going to be a long-term thing when we see Alcaraz kind of turn towards his later... Uh, I'm going to say like, you know, late twenties, early thirties, that'll be something that, but I, I'm confident that like Juan Carlos Ferro can like figure that out. And whoever is going to coach going to be like, all right, we need to sustain you not only just per match, but also really per tournament. Right. You know, you're, Hey, you're going to be a grand slam contender. You're going to have to play seven matches on the reg. You know, you need to save yourself in matches one, two, three, four, four matches, you know, five, six, seven. I agree with that. I think he's absolutely a contender to win the French open. He's one of my top five favorites to win the French open by far. Uh, I also agree. I think he can snag one of these uh, clay court masters because I think Djokovic is actually one of them. He's not allowed to play in Nadal is kind of might take one or two of those off just to give himself a rest. He's been playing a lot of tennis lately and wants to prepare himself physically for the French. I think it leaves a door wide open for Alcaraz. I don't really, you know, listen, I think he's on the, on clay, especially right now. He's on the same level as Sverev, Tsitsipas. That's just how I feel about it right now. I mean Medvedev's got nothing to do with clay anyway, so. But yeah, I think uh I think we've got very high expectations for him. And now we'd like to compare him to our other guy and Frankie's uh favorite Yannick Sinner. I know you're the way you're looking at him, Frank. You're looking at his poster right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Yannick Sinner, uh another young player. I believe he's 20. 20. He's 20? 20, yeah. Uh, from Northern Italy. Hence the, uh, hence the German name, um, and is an amazing, amazing tennis player. Currently ranked, I also believe, top 20 in the world right now, right? He's 10. He's top 10 in the world. He's top 10. Yeah, no, he's been balling out. Uh, very skinny player, uh, but has amazing leverage on his strokes and can absolutely whack the ball. Also has a great head on his shoulders. Is all about his tennis, doesn't really get involved in the whole... You know, fame thing. Just kind of very down to earth person. I've listened to a lot of interviews uh, of him. English, even some German. Frank, I know you've listened to some Italian interviews of him. Sounds like a very down to earth guy. Um, Describe uh, describe his game a little bit more for our viewers, since you're more of a Sinner fan.
1: Yeah, I I. It's funny because when you watch like Nadal and Djokovic, I would say there's a lot of comparisons to Sinner and Alcaraz in terms of like sheer body comparisons, right? Like Nadal is not necessarily like using long levers to get power or anything. He's just like using sheer brute force and massive biceps. And that's very much what Alcaraz is too. Um, And Yannick Sinner and Novak Djokovic are kind of just like, what's that skinny kid doing? Like just levering the ball and whacking it. Um, Yeah. Sinner, Sinner, I would say very similar. Uh, Sinner has got really outstanding strokes on both sides. Uh, I think he's very unique in the fact that he's got a backhand that is maybe even better than his forehand, quite honestly. Um, he, he's he got, you know, a tremendous offensive gameplay. His movement, given his height of about 6'3", 6'4", uh, is pretty, pretty good. Um, he, what's up?
0: Is he that tall?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think he's about 6'3" you could double I'm check gonna, me in the I'm background gonna, i'm gonna verify but, that go ahead yeah go ahead verify me but yeah y- yannick is uh given his height i think is a pretty decent mover he's definitely not as fast as alcaraz is but you know he does the job uh what i think yannick does really well six um, foot two six oh, foot okay. two
0: 167 pounds which and that's out.
1: probably overstating his weight quite honestly um this guy is a <laughs> like I, he's maybe 160 pounds soaking wet but whatever <laughs> someone get um, him
0: a, someone get in some pasta
1: yeah I mean he's needs like butter that's what he needs but uh yeah he he's got a really interesting story so Yannick Center I think we've spoken about this has was a really world-class skier uh which is very typical in the area of Italy that he is from which is uh Sud Tirol Trentino Alto Adige um, which is in the very, very north uh, of Italy, right on the border with Austria. Um, it's He's about maybe like 10, 15 minutes from where Andrea Seppi, who was another famous Italian tennis player, uh, grew up. Yannick uh, made the switch to playing tennis full-time at 13, 14 years old. So he was pretty late in the game for that switch. Up until that point, he was like a literal top 10 under 12 skier in the world. So you could see that in his game in terms of uh, Alcaraz, for example, is sliding around the court a lot using like sheer, you know, speed, whereas Jan, very similar to Novak Djokovic, who also was a world class skier when he was younger, is ma- mainly using like balance to sort of shift back and forth. Um, but uh, yeah, so so the thing for me with Janik that uh, I think he needs to improve, uh, number one, is his serve. Uh, he continues to improve that. It's gotten a lot better over the past year. Um, but I still think for being as tall as he is, he needs to be getting that serve, you know, upwards of 130, uh closer to where Carlos Alcaraz is currently hitting it. Uh, and I think that he needs to be a little bit more aggressive on the return, which he's also gotten better at. But again, we're these two guys are excellent players and we're just nitpicking here. But those are the two things I would identify. I think mentality wise, he's there. No doubt in my mind, like he's he's got it. Um, I think net play wise, honestly, I I think he's good enough at this point. I've seen him like finish a lot of points at net uh, over the past few months. And and I've seen very clearly that that is something that he's worked on. So I think it's good enough for right now. Uh, if I was him, I would just be practicing serve all day because if he's able to get that serve down to being an easy hold that's going to make a tremendous difference for him in the long run
0: yeah I think so with Sinner for me the only thing that's really missing from his game right now that I see that can be something that could potentially hold him back is his variety I think he hits the same kind of ball over and over again and I think someone again a la Djokovic that's a fantastic comparison Frank if he can bring insider that variety into the game that Djokovic has brought, using angles, different spins, speeds, depths, even adding in a slice and a transition game, I think that that would help him really tremendously. Because if he tries to go toe-to-toe with someone like Alcaraz, I'm going to pick Alcaraz from the baseline. Um, as good as Sinner is from the baseline as well, which is uh, crazy to think about. But I really think that bringing variety into his game uh, will definitely help him potentially win grand slams. And I think his best surface right now, I would say, is hard court. Um, I don't really see him. Maybe in the future being a little contender on clay, but for right now, I would say on hard court. Um, I, what do you think? How do you think he's going to do for the rest of the year? What are we kind of seeing his projection, Frank? I mean, I I don't know if he'll win. I don't think he'll win a slam. He's not really a contender yet for me. I think he can win a Masters title, but I don't have him up there with Alcaraz right now.
1: Yeah. So I, I would actually disagree. I mean, his best, his most consistent results have come on clay courts and that's what he's grown up playing on. So I think he is a contender on clay more so than hard court. I still see, like, I think the issues with his, with his serve hold him back too much on a hard court. Um, But obviously like from a sheer, like aesthetic point of view, you would think, Oh, this guy's going to dominate on hard courts. he like completely owns the baseline. Right. But, Yeah, for some reason, you know, the, I guess the top spin on his ball in particular really lends itself to to the clay courts, and that's what he's comfortable moving on. But in terms of the rest of the season, I think he'll probably be a contender at a few of the Masters 1000s on clay, but as mentioned, there's just so much competition on those whether it's from Sitsipas, Zverev, Nadal, Djokovic, Alcaraz now, um Matteo Berrettini who also does really well on clay somehow. Um you know, it, it he's going to he's going to face some competition. But I think he probably will end up winning one of these Masters 1000s this year and if he does so that's a really that's a pretty solid you know accomplishment. Um if I was Jan, I think my goal would be to finish the year in the top I think he could go beyond top eight. I think he should really be aiming for top six. That would be ideal. Um, and I think it is a doable goal if he stays consistent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Grand Slam, probably not going to happen. Um, just because I, 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 I think, like Marcus said, when he comes up against an opponent that can really give him a ton of variety and not just try to go toe-to-toe with him at the baseline, he's going to struggle a lot, uh, as we saw when he played Sitsipas, for example in Australia um, and the other match quite honestly is going to be Alcaraz I think is going to give him a lot of problems unless Yannick like makes a, a few adjustments to his game which based on the coaching change that he recently did I would say it, it seems like he's he's working on something like something is in the works of like a, a game change which is another reason why I think we both like Yannick Center so much is that this guy like seems incredibly competitive he wants to win he wants to improve and he's con- and we've already seen it so many times that he's evolving his game very visibly um which is a really good sign from somebody who's that young
0: yeah he's another guy who's just like 100% about his tennis he's out of the limelight he's just he's got tunnel vision right on his tennis um i disagree though i don't think that he'll be making top six or even eight, I think that he's going to have to fight to stay in the top 10, especially when you consider... I mean, again, this is all dependent on injuries, right? Um, you know, you've got Djokovic, Medvedev, Nadal. you got three right there. You've got Zverev. Then you've got Sitsipas. That's already five. Then you've got Alcaraz making it into the mix. And then you've got someone like a Rublev who's been playing some good ball lately. I know he just lost, but I think that's going to be a tough goal for him to achieve. I don't think it's impossible in the next two or three years, but I think this year it's going to be tough. That's why I think... I mean, we're, we're, you know what? Let's just get into it. Who's going to have basically a better ov- overall career, one and two, is this going to be like the next great matchup, kind of like the a la Djokovic Nadal over the next, uh, you know, I guess, you know, 10, 12 years?
1: Yeah, so I'll address that one first and then you can you can hit the you can hit the who ends up having a better career, but I think in terms of, you know, is is this going to be the next Djokovic Nadal? Um, Again, there's so many different variables that go into that that answer. Um, I, I don't think we will have another Djokovic Nadal because we will never have another big three ever again. But is this the next great rivalry in tennis? Like a la, you know, like it went from Borg McEnroe to then uh like Sampras Agassi and then to Nadal Fed and then to Nadal Djokovic, and now it's kinda like, you know, up in the air. Um I would say, yes, I think this is going to be the next sort of, you know, in the next four to five years, these guys are going to be perennial top three players, top two, probably pretty clearly for me. Um, And, uh, you know, they're going to be going at it for majors, uh, which is great for the game. Uh, I think also from like a country perspective, it's it's good to have like they have like that country rivalry, like Italy and Spain have like that you know, that Mediterranean olive oil rivalry going on, which is, which is good for the, which is good, right? That's good for the sport. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, um, it, it, this is, these two are going to be very good for the game. Both of them are very good for the game. They're great players to be the f- new faces of tennis, because I think one of the issues that we have and other people have with, you know, a Zverev or a Tsitsipas, for example, taking over that mantle is that they are frustrating like they're they're babies on court sometimes and like they have their issues off court too but like they're not they're not necessarily the 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 people that you would want to be the representative of your sport whereas Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner like you know they're perfect like they they are perfect representatives of the game they're so total class acts in the same way that Roger and Rafa were you know 20 or so years ago and uh, I think, I think it is going to be the next great rivalry in in the game. But uh, Marcus, who do you think ends up having the um, the better career? And I'll I'll go after you. But but who do you think?
0: Well, first of all, you you don't think Joker is a class act?
1: <clears throat> I'm not even gonna. We're not even gonna touch that one.
0: <laughs> all
1: right, all right. I'm
0: trying. To, I always try to bait Frank, but he never takes the bait. Um, who do I think is going to win more majors in their career? I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with Alcaraz. I think Alcaraz can wrap about. I'm gonna say for. I'm gonna say a conservative number. I'm gonna say about six right now. I think over his career, and I think Sinner gets about four in his career because they are in a weird situation where they are about four to five, maybe even sometimes six years younger. Then this next generation of, you know, because Medvedev, Tsverov, and Sitsipas are going to be competing for slams for the next at least five to six years. And that's going to kind of, they're going to probably win the majority of the next few years. Um, even even Nadal, Djokovic still have a chance to win a couple in this year and potentially next year. We can't count them out. So by the time Alcaraz and Sinner and that kind of crew can begin to actually kind of regularly win slams. It'll be in their mid to late 20s. And then you got to think about, okay, there's also going to be some you know, good players coming up on the rise, just like they were now. So I think six is a conservative number for Alcaraz, and I think four is also a conservative number for center, but I think that's where it's going to shake out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly close um, with you. Um, despite my like love of center as a player, um, I definitely think Alcaraz is going to end up winning more um i just think he's got the game He he's 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 got the game already he's already there i i disagree with you on the alcaraz total though uh i think alcaraz is a double-digit grand slam winner i think he's gonna get 10 um that would wow. be my estimate i think yes he's got that weird generational thing that you're talking about but i think that he is already better than i think quite frankly he's already better than Pass. and i think that um, and I think that he could very easily take on Zverev and uh Medvedev within the next year or two. I don't see that being a problem. And he, by at that point, he's gonna be only twenty years old. Only twenty. Like Jeez, that's yeah. that's so crazy to think about. Yeah, that's so insane. yeah. So so I think ten is is probably where Alcaraz ends up. Uh, Somewhere in that range. I think he's got the game to be good on all surfaces. I really, really, really want to see him on grass because he's got that huge serve that would lend him to be like a pretty good grass player. Um, The only issue is, you know, maybe the top spin and stuff like that doesn't necessarily. Work as well, but you it yeah, worked grass well. Just for- changed so much.
0: I mean, yeah, it worked well for Nadal. So, again, that's more of a comes with age transition and good coaching and a willingness to adapt your game, which it seems like this
1: guy's willing yeah. to adapt everything in order to win. So, yeah, 100% with you. So, so I think 10 is fine there. Jan, I'm a little, I think Yannick is very, very hard to predict. I would, I kind of agree with you. I'm in the four to six range. That's my, that's, that's my guess. Um, I think that Yannick probably ends up winning a tournament like the U S open. I actually think he could probably snag a French open at some point in his career. Um, you know, I'm a little hesitant but, on
0: him winning the but, French because I think Alcaraz might lock that up, just like Nadal locked up. I know.
1: don't. I, I think we say that because we've seen we've grown up with Nadal doing that our entire lives, but we need to remember historically. Like Nadal is an absolute like outlier. Aberration, the yes. French, the French Open is just has traditionally been the crapshoot major. Like there's a ra- random winner like every year, whether it's Gaston Gaudio or the like goat- Yannick Noah. Like, you know, that's traditionally what the French Open has been. So, like, we need to assume, I think we need to operate under the maxim that, like, there's going to be a reversion to the mean when it comes to the French Open and that we're going to see, like, multiple winners go through. Like, we can't, we can't assume that Alcaraz is just going to lock this thing up like Nadal has for 20 years. We're never going to see that again. But, you know, I do think that Alcaraz, right, as of right now, Alcaraz is the better player. Alcaraz has the age. And I think that, you know, uh, there's just like he, there's no way to describe this other than like watch him and you'll see. Like this guy's just got it. Like he's just got it.
0: Yeah, they're both amazing to watch, folks. If you ever get the chance to go watch them, uh, you know wherever wherever you're listening from, or especially if you're in New York, where most of our listeners are, if you go to the U.S. Open this year, make it a priority to go see these guys. I know they're probably going to be in the stadiums, not on the outside courts like they used to, but absolutely worth the ticket. It's uh, absolute pure entertainment. And yeah, so that wraps it up for us today, guys. Thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast Seven. Give us a like, follow. Uh, drop a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions or if you would like to join the podcast, you can always DM us on Instagram or you can always uh, use the nifty email uh, option, which nobody has used yet, but breakpointpodcast7 at gmail.com. Frank, where else are we available by?
1: Uh, We are also available, as always, via Carrier Pigeon to the Broadway Long Island Railroad uh, mail office that's there. Uh, we have a little pigeon coup up top that I am maintaining. Uh, we have three pigeons. Um, one of them is named Kohlschreiber after Philip Kohlschreiber. Uh, one of them is named Fabio after, of course, Fabio Fognini. Um, and then the third one is going to be named. Uh, we haven't decided on the name of the third one yet unless yeah, you have oh bernie tomic of course uh, Tomek. well
0: i mean yeah to, to, for some reason the tomic bird doesn't really deliver much mail i wonder why anyways yeah he uh, he's
1: always seems to be aloof and kind of just screwing around maybe he'll make an only fans we don't know uh, um wow yeah too soon all right i also got to do some shout outs uh shout out to uh brian cam who is a loyal listener my old college roommate uh thanks for listening and, uh, Emma also, Emma also gets a shout out. So there you go. Uh, and that's going to do it for us and we will catch you guys, uh, next time. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're interested in being on the podcast, shoot us a DM. Thanks. Bye. Take